Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming at you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Welcome to any new listeners joining us today. We're so happy to have you. I am your host, Chris Revel. Uh, Let's Chat seeks out guests from niche cultures of punk rock, podcasting, and pop culture. And today's guest, Elise Major, and let me tell you, uh, and I tell her this in the episode, I was pronouncing her name in my head as Major. And I'm usually wrong about people's names due to the old dyslexia. So I was so surprised it's actually sp- said major because it's spelled major. But in my head, I was reading it Elise Major. And boy, was I wrong. Um, Elise is the editor in chief at Providence Monthly, which is. Uh, Elise is the editor in chief of Providence Media, which uh, includes Providence Monthly, So Rhode Island Magazine, Hey Rhodey, The Bay Mag. Uh, let me tell you what, I am a fanatic of the PVD Monthly. I was featured in there, I got a feature in there once thanks to the wonderful Orrin Hannity uh, some years back, and it was really a, a goal for mine. Uh, I, I grew up in Connecticut, moved here for, uh, with, to, to be with my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and now we have a house and a baby, and things are great. But I have these memories of visiting Providence when we were dating, going to Seven Stars on Broadway, looking through the monthly, and this is the way I operate, hot take for anyone listening to this. Uh, I always just was reading, like, how do I get in there? But at that time in my life, I didn't do anything to, like, being it. I'm just, I have that thing. If I see something, I'm like, how could I be part of this? So this is, like, a really cool watershed moment to get to get to chat with Elise. And, and for the right reasons, at no point was this, like, let's get Elise on here because she's a, a media person. Why, that definitely helped. Um, Elise and I connected on Twitter. I mean, I've been aware of her and a fan of her work for a while. But we connected on Twitter She's a secret hardcore kid. Like, this is what I love about the show, and I like the show I want to make. She kind of embodies the the dream kind of guest of... um, She's so eclectic. Like, she editor-in-chief for this media company, also, like, into crafts, and we talk about, like, home and garden and and writes books and has a great craft blog, and also grew up and talking and, you know, grew up in the the scene in, like, Fall River and Providence, and uh, also, I think she's from the Midwest, so she has a fantastic fantastic accent. It's just so funny to have this Midwestern accent talking about, like, at a uh, like a, a Murphy's Law show and fights and jumping into the pits and it it's just so funny her personality is, it's it's kind of what I love with people is I love people that are multifaceted and like different types of things like if you just were to meet Elise or know her from her internet presence uh, you would never be like this person knows who um, Pugazi is or never mind like she named bands I had never heard of um, it was so fantastic, so wonderful, so kind. And on top of all that, just like a good person and not just interactions. Um, as an outsider, I had no idea that the monthly and the, the province media had kind of gone through the stuff they had gone through with the pandemic and um, they furloughed their staff. At least we'll talk about this. And this woman busted her fucking ass off and was able to hire everyone back. Like, imagine if there's more people out there like that where they actually give a shit and they want their employees to do well and make sure they have a job when, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's really, it's really beautiful. And it's wonderful to see. You don't have to be living here in Providence to be like kind of moved by that. I think anyone can take those ethics. And I like to think those are like uh, scene ethics that we both take from the punk rock world. Also, uh, also, we like to. We also both agree with the uh, statement "Nazi punks fuck off." So, shout out Elise, uh, such a badass. So, wonderful episode. A little housekeeping to get off the top. Uh, we are so excited to announce our very first event. Let's chat is turning seven. 
this month. I also had uh, myself and Brianna both had uh, birthdays this month, so happy birthday, Bri. And um, to celebrate, we're teaming up with the fine folks at See You Live, and we're going to be doing a watch party of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The, it will be free. We only have about 50 tickets left. Uh, we will share the links on our website, uh, lepschatpodcast.net, all of our social. You can find it on seeya.live, like C as in cat, Y as in Yoda, A as an astronaut. And it's going to be really fun. We're hoping to see you there. If you're not familiar with See You Live, I recommend checking it out. It's really, it's a really fun, interactive way to watch uh, movies and do stuff with people. So not only will we all be watching the same movie, we'll have an interactive chat box. You can watch us talk and interact with each other, and we're going to be doing our research. We can actually bring you onto what they call the stage, and you can video chat like with and interact with people. I've gone to a couple of these events. I went to one with uh, Paul Shear and Griffin Newman when they did a screening of Galaxy Quest, and I fucking obviously you all know I love Griffin Newman. If you're a fan of the show, he's past guest, but like I fucking love Paul Shear. I've been a fan since Human Giant, and I got to like interact with him online and and get to watch one of my favorite movies. It's really fun. We're so happy. We're hoping to do some more of these. Um, this is a really, really big deal. We've got a lot of really big stuff coming up, too. Uh, we got this ep- next episode will be with uh, music journalist Rob Duguay, and after that, we're going to have a little bit of a format change in a good way. We're going to have some big changes, start bringing more producers onto the show. We're starting a YouTube series right now of a series of YouTube live to lead up to this called let's chat into the spider verse. We're going to bring on different people just to talk about their relationship to Spider-Man to the spider verse. I think it's my, I think it is my favorite movie ever made. It, it really is. Uh, so we're so excited about that. So make sure you keep in touch on that. Uh, you know, find us on let's chat podcast.net. We're going to be doing merch giveaways. we got some new merch coming out. we got some bad, um, some really great new, um, stickers. We're getting some t-shirts made. Uh, a lot of fun stuff happening here. Some stuff I can't really talk about yet because it's still pending. Uh, so keep an eye. And last note, we have this Facebook group called Let's Chat with Chris Revel Community. Let me tell you, it has become one of the most fun things. I've not had this much fun on social media. I just hopped off because I had to, you know, make this episode. But we were all trying to figure out how you can make custom stamps. And it turns out you can do that in the United States and Canada. And we're uh, we're trying to figure out if we can make Let's Chat stamps. And let me tell you, the photo I wanted to use is hilarious. So anyway, let's get to... Oh, last thing. I keep forgetting. I was also recently a guest on What Did We Miss? Uh, pop, uh, great podcast with past guests uh, Matt Ferreira and Tony Paschetti. Uh, what Did We Miss? is a podcast that is explores pop culture blind spots. And I got to cover the topic of Sunny Day Real Estate's diaries. I completely miss Sunny Day Real Estate. And it turns out I like them a lot and they're great so thank you matt and tony for that so give that a listen and uh let's get to it all right people let's do this one last time my name is chris revel and for the last seven years i have been the only one making let's chat with chris revel a few months ago that all changed when i teamed up with some producers to celebrate we are teaming up with the fine folks at see you live to present let's chat birthday bash let's chat is turning seven and what other better way to celebrate than a watch party of spider-man into the spider-verse We're going to have exclusive merch giveaways, tons of fun, great way for us to interact. We will be doing this on August 29th at 8 p.m. EST, hosted on See You Live. You can find all the information at letschatpodcast.net. Make sure you register for your space at sia.live.
so surprised that um, Coronacast was your first podcast. That like took me for a loop for a second because of like your position. From, I was like, oh, that's too funny. And and you were really great on it too, by the way. Oh, thanks. I mean, I've only I just am uh, going to have my second anniversary with the company on like next Friday. No so, way. Yeah, even though I've had like. Even though I've had like a long career or whatever, you know, I don't know what just happened to my hair here. Um, even though I've had like a long career, like this is new for me in this role and like representing a company in this role, you know. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, you've been on my list for um for a while actually. It's just like, oh really? Yeah, I have like a list of people, and and then like um and then I'm, I know you know you know Robert Eisenberg obviously is he's I think we we are timing his around something to do. He has a release. I think he's coming on in September, I want to say, as well. Last time we were talking to him, because I met him cool. through like the What She Writers Club and kind of got connected <laughs> to some of that community, which has been really cool. Because um, doing a podcast in your bedroom for a long time can feel lonely. And then one day you're like, oh, there's others. Oh, and there's others in our state, which is. Um, and you've been yours for a long time now, right? Yeah, since 2013. Wow. I know. It's the first thing I didn't quit in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kind of feel that way about my blog, which really was dormant for like a really long time until recently. Um, But I started doing that in like 2008. And um, you'll relate to this. It was the first day that my both boys were at school. And I was like mostly home. And I was like, oh, I actually have like um, two hours to myself. I think I'll start a blog. I feel like from learning about you I'm like that sounds like your personality like oh you've got yeah. kids I got two hours like I could sit still no yeah. no no I would love to start from the beginning so uh we haven't come we're both not from Rhode Island where 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 I know you're transplant but I didn't hear you say where where are you from yeah I moved around a lot growing up uh you know was born in Minnesota only lived there for a year uh lived in uh you know Illinois New Jersey we're in Jersey. Yeah, um, South Jersey. I lived in um, Blackwood. Okay, my wife's from Bloomfield, and I spent a lot of time in uh, the time. My time in Jersey is more in the northern parts, but I know the South yeah. Jersey very well. Everybody's got a New Jersey connection. Anyway, ultimately, I ended up in Fall River, Massachusetts, and then, like, this is the part you're gonna like. Um, moved myself to Providence to be near the music scene. So cool. Um, you know, I was at um, what's now UMass, uh, Dartmouth, and, um, you know, was sort of like confused about what my major would be. And then sort of like my best friend and I were both sort of not doing so great in college. And it was like, let's move to Providence for the summer. And it just turned into forever. What, um, if you're, what years are, are you active in that music scene? Or if you're comfortable to say. I am. I'm older. Um, I let's see like 85 to like early 90s oh wow because i didn't move here till doesn't i met my wife in what 2010 so i think i moved here in 2011 and then yeah. visited in 2010 but like growing in connecticut like we did providence wasn't a place you like would visit so i didn't know anything about providence or its music scene which i'm not sure if you know rob dergray like a fellow local journalist like we're both from connecticut and he's a music journalist but like we missed each other completely so I know he grew up in or is very familiar with like the Rhode Island music scene where I was in Connecticut there's not a lot of crossover in my worlds so what was it like back then like the like the music scene in Providence in the 80s 
kind of dangerous. Is it dangerous? I'm going to guess it's a little dangerous. A little bit. It was like, for me, it was like super magical. Um, you know, I feel like if I were to go back in time, it, it was sort of like, what the heck are you doing? You know, <laughs> because, um, you know, I was in, you know, I was in school. I graduated young just because, you know, back then they didn't hold kids for fall <laughs> birthdays and stuff like that. Oh, uh, okay. So I was 17 when I graduated high school. Me too. And then I went to college for two years and then I got really involved with my college radio station and all of a sudden, like all of my friends were in bands and every spare minute I was going to see bands and I had a boyfriend in a band. And, uh, so then I, um, you know, moved myself to Providence and I don't know, maybe I was like 19 and, uh, just worked like four jobs and took time off of school and ended up becoming a DJ at some of the local clubs. Now I forget what your question was. Yeah, that's how it should be though. It should just be more like that. Like, and just the whole time, and from like reading about you, like you seem like someone who always has had like a lot of different jobs, which is uh, fucking cool as hell. And and also like I got super excited when I heard you say that you worked in healthcare because that's what I currently work in. And yeah, like, I did for ten years. I was the communications consultant at Neighborhood Health Plan of uh, Rhode Island. But I used to have them for insurance. But uh, wow! So, uh, I, 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 oh, but I know. Uh, circling back, like yes, Providence was a little bit sketchy. You know, it was like a little bit scary, and um, but I think I was just oblivious to the whole thing. Like there I was yeah. walking around downtown with my milk crate full of records. You know, <laughs> like well, that I, I want to explain this to people who are listening because um, and that maybe some of their colleagues, your colleagues, your friends who may not know this part of when we're talking music scene too, we're not talking about like the jazz clubs or something. Like you know, we're talking you're you're talking about like the hardcore punk metal. See, like, even when I was going to this in Connecticut, like, Hatebreed would be the band that was the biggest from where I grew up. And that was, this is suburban Connecticut. You know, these are American Legion And it was dangerous there because that's just the nature of the hardcore scene. There's just a lot of violence. So, A, you had the city of Providence, which was not, from my understanding, nearly as nice as it is now. Yeah, it's true. But, like, hardcore was dangerous. Like, what what bands are, like, the big, what's in the 80s? I don't know. Is, so, you're talking, like, 80s hardcore. So, like, is not mad Bob. You're probably, like, like Chromatics. No. It was a lot of like, um, well, first, like nationally, well, even, you know, from Fall River, there was like the proletariat, you know, okay, and then yeah. there was, you know, a lot of bands that came out of Boston. And then there were a lot of uh, bands from, you know, all these little small hardcore bands from Rhode Island that would be like the opening acts for these national bands to come around. And Boston was, scene was always kind of known for being a little dangerous. Yeah, but it was it was funny because. It it was so homey in a way because there was that club, the living room, and this was the one that was on Promenade Street because the living room has had a couple of different locations, mm -hmm. and the people that ran it were very, you know, it was like a family, and I remember like my roommate and I, you know, we were like these like cute, happy, you know, kids at the hardcore show, like, <laughs> you know, like don't hurt us, but we were there yeah. having fun listening to the music, and like we would be invited sometimes backstage to have dinner because um, like the Heen family who owned the living room, they would cook for the bands that the mom would cook like oh. Ma Heen. She would cook for these bands coming in. And like, after a while, they just got to know me and my, my best friend, Cindy, and they would like invite us in the back and we'd be able to have like, you know, dinner, or, you know, like, you know, like Bo Diddley is having dinner and we're like grabbing some of the pasta. <laughs> You know, it was kind of funny, or like uh, Jim Carroll. Like, this was, you know, back then. Yeah. But, like, 
you know, and it's funny because I didn't like just, I didn't like, I didn't just like hardcore. I think a lot of times for me anyway, when you like, you know, this sort of like alternative music, there's like a wide range of stuff that you can like, even though somebody might still consider you in this like little hole. Yes. So, you know, I got really into like, you know, LA, you know, hardcore and then like British punk and then, you know, like garage music and then the Boston scene, like the Boston scene was just so amazing because it was just post like mission of Burma, but all these bands like, you know, the volcano sons were happening and, you know, then Dinosaur Jr. was coming around and, oh my God. you know, but I got to see, you know, like Black Flag, you know, there'd be like these big SST shows that would come yeah. to town. It's just um, so weird to hear these words coming out of your mouth. I'm sure, are, are there going to be a lot of people that in your life hearing this being like, Elise? <laughs> what? Well, that's what I think is so funny because, you know, my friends always describe this as like the dichotomy of my personality because on one hand there's like, and it's all genuine. There's the me that's like wearing a little print floral dress and like making this pretty little thing with flowers. And then the music I like, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, I'll be listening to like, you know, Minor Thread or, you know, but, but also sometimes, you know, Luna, um, you know, Red Cross, the Lemonhead. So it's sort of like all kinds of stuff. I, it's, I'm still throwing me for such a loop. Um, it's just, it's just so cool to hear that. Like, I just, yeah, you, that is exactly right from like knowing you from afar. Like, you know, I've been, yeah. I've been the monthly and I've been becoming that now becoming like a fan of like you and your work and the craft. And all of a sudden, like we connected on Twitter the first time you, because um, uh, my producer Will had made that uh, Milo listens to podcast thing that I asked him for. And then you're like, oh, The Descendants, it's one of my favorite records. And then I'm just like, what? That, huh? <laughs> and yeah, I was like, uh, yeah. I, I love secret hardcore kids. It's like I, I would never say I was a hardcore kid because like I was involved in that scene, but like I tend to listen to more not music. That's that I went to a lot of the shows, but that's not when I'm home. That's not usually what I'm listening to. There's nothing I love more than like walking down the street in some pretty dress and some hardcore kids are listening to something, and I'm like, yeah, you know, like oh, I, I yeah. know, you know, like I'm like I know that I saw those guys like when before you were born, you know, Fred, yeah. Because a lot of those bands, you know, they came around a lot. Like I remember seeing, well, of course, like you'd see the Ramones a million times, not that they're hardcore. But, hey, oh, 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 God, I can't believe you just said that's so, I mean, because that's, you're just saying, of course, you see the Ramones a million times. Because like by the time I had heard of the Ramones, I was buying their t-shirts at Kohl's. You know, where like the Circle Jerks came around, oh, you know. Oh, man. And one and, of them is know, in Bad Religion now. Yeah, Bad Religion had come around. Oh, you my know. God. But by then, I think I was starting to get more into other things, too. So I wasn't like, you know, again, I was, you know, I get fickle with music and I was kind of all over the place. But, you know, still, if Bad Religion came to town, you'd go see them, you know. And still relevant and active. Uh, I, 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 my, a friend of my friends opened up for them in New, Jer in New Jersey at um, Starland Ballroom. And um, I was standing at the bar watching um, um, Bad Religion play. And I, I look over, and Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen was sit, standing next to me. And I just like, <laughs> and then I, you know, we did a beer tap, and then like I was talking to someone at the venue. They're like, "Oh yeah, he's here all the time. He's a huge, huge Bad Religion fan." Like, wow. and the, there was no press, there was nothing to it. He was just like, just loves music. And it wow. was just that moment when you find like, like, like what we're talking, like you know, when you love something for music or art or whatever it is you don't get bound by categories. Because in my head, Bruce Springsteen and Bad Religion should not know of each other by any means. They're supposed to be 
the polar opposites of like whatever and you're just like you're like buddies i know it's but yeah you know i love you know milo goes to the milo goes to the college milo goes to college is still one of my all-time favorites i was just listening to the singer on uh, going off track and um i didn't know he was like a scientist milo ackerman yeah oh my god it was like yeah like he actually went to college and the band broke up and that's what that oh. cover means you know i totally um, missed out on the descendants it's funny all this stuff comes out and like bill stevenson was in the band and you know he had been in black flag and yep. you know that was the thing back then too like all the bands had all these connections like if you liked a band like on sst or um you know sub pop like there were just like connections all yeah. over the place and it just really made it more fun i feel like podcast and replaced that part of like you know i've been out of the music scene for years and years but like signing the podcast there's like niches within it but there's like that became this like as an adult this feels like my version of the scene and now it, and it's, yeah. it, it does feel that way like on a national and now even more on a local level like there's like now like a there's actual podcast scenes within in cities and states and sex and niches we have a scene in rhode island now like i mean i started this podcast when i started in 2013 i wouldn't meet the, the next podcast like that i no one else in rhode island well they were doing it i didn't we didn't know of each other I, like it wasn't actually until the monthly um orin hannity wrote this article I was like 10, five podcasts that aren't crime town. And um, that's, and he was super so kind to me. I uh, was one of the people that got featured. And that's the first time I was like, there's other podcasters in Rhode Island. And that was a few years ago where it all started to accumulate. And now like a bunch of us, there's actually, now there's some, at one point I could confidently say I knew everyone doing a podcast in Rhode Island. And now it's gotten so much bigger. I'm like, wow. happily I can say, I don't know everyone. And we're still yeah. trying to connect and meet and become all buds and stuff. It's really cool. Like I'm with you on that too. Cause like, I, that's, I love that stuff. I mean, you just say, I mean, like, you know, Bad Religion, I think their guitarist is the old guitarist now from uh, the Circle Jerks. Like, a lot of those yeah. people tend to stay together, too, because I'd imagine, too, cause being a band is more about the music, like, you, like family, essentially. You have to live together. Yeah. Did you have family? Like, what, what brought you into that, that world of music? Like, was it friend, like, older sibling or a friend or just, like? Well, I always loved music. Like, I'd always been buying records since I was, like, little. And um, it's funny because there was this like guy in one of my classes in high school and he was very preppy looking, but he always, you know, would talk, he would always come in singing some songs by like, you know, the Dead Kennedys or something. And I just was like intrigued and I would actually like listen to the college radio station, which is now WUMD and it be, used to be WUSM. And I would actually like write things down and then be like, oh, I really liked that, you know, just such like an active listener, because that was also the days of just really vinyl, where, you know, you bought a record, and you sat and you read the liner notes, and you listened to the whole thing, and you knew who did the cover art, and you knew who played, you know, guest instrumentalists, all those things. Like right now, I have like, you know, CDs by people, I don't even know, like the names of the people in the band. Mm -hmm. but those were the days where you like really absorbed for me anyway music and so I just really grew to love it and so when I was even thinking about college it was like oh well of course I need to go to you know UMass Dartmouth because I need to be part of the radio station no for no career reason just because I thought wow that's so cool and that's where it's at you know and then um you know started doing radio shows and then of course started skipping classes to do radio shows and and uh, one thing led to another, yada, yada, yada. I took time off of school and moved to Providence, you know? That's so cool. 
yeah, it was really fun. And, uh, you know, again, like, had no idea what I was doing. Like, you know, no idea. Had never paid a bill, you know, like barely cooked for myself. Now, here I am with the room, two roommates. We're living in Providence and we're, you know, like Bill Keogh was one of the roommates and he is such a guy around Providence. Like he belongs on this podcast. Oh, Bill, because that's really happen. Yeah, he's been in bands. He's managed bands. He worked. He worked at a record store on Thayer Street. I worked at a car, like a gift store on Thayer Street. Oh, you know, cool. we both DJed at clubs, and I mean, it was just—it was like really a special time in my life, and I think it's why I have such a strong fond for Providence because, um, you know, like in in growing up in Fall River, I never really felt like people got me. And when I came to Providence, I felt like it was where I belong. And all of a sudden I was funny and, you know, I was cool or, or maybe, you know, but whatever, where like, you know, I felt like when I was in Fall River, like my jokes weren't funny and it just didn't really feel right to me ever. And when I moved to Providence, I just felt like it all clicked for me. And I feel like I'll, I'll just always have this love for Providence because of that. My theory is that everyone who lives, uh, moves to Rhode Island like us loves it, and everyone who grew up here just shits on it all the time. Yeah. And it really bothers me, because, but oddly enough, I'm from Connecticut, and I'll shit on Connecticut all day long. <laughs> but I, I love Rhode Island. I absolutely, I, I mean, I, I feel spoiled, because my, my experience moving to Providence was moving in with my now wife in the armory. So, like, it's in, in 2011. So, or I met, met her in 2010, so Providence yeah. is already really beautiful. It was just, like, at one of the first, one of our first like earlier dates, she brought me to the um a, the rock and roll flea market at the uh oh what's that the, in Pawtucket the uh not the Armory uh, where you know that thing, and yeah. I had ever been to anything like that in my life. I was like, what? And she's like, oh yeah, you know. And that was the other thing. I'm like, <laughs> so funny because I know you're. Uh, I I don't make crafts, but I'm a huge fan of them. And I go to tons of craft fairs, and it was like it was this weird thing of like. It also makes so much sense. Like now, you, it also makes sense to me too. Like, after, like with uh, the scene, because there, there's a lot of artists and a lot of creatives within like the music scene, the outside of the music stuff and crafts. But, like going to like the rock and roll flea market, I was like, oh, these are my people that got older. <laughs> except, that, except they all have Etsy pages now. <laughs> yeah, and the funny thing is, like, I wasn't crafty for years. You know, like um, I was really crafty as a as a child. And then, you know, I did major and minor in art at different points, but then really wasn't really making things until I myself had my boys. And that was one of the things that I enjoyed doing with them was making things. Like I would get very bored playing like action figures or running around the yard, but like I could make things with them all day. And that just sort of reignited that whole thing for me. How old are your kids? They are uh, 17 and 19. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, my daughter's three, so we're different stages. Yeah, and I mean, it's funny. One of my greatest, I feel like one of my greatest accomplishments as a parent is that they don't like the music of today. They're good. I know. For some reason, my daughter loves this one Post Malone song. I don't even know what that sounds like. Yeah, it, it, it's, I, yeah, it's something. It, it's, it's a really catchy song. It's like all the emo kids or that era of like emo pop punk all got really into hip hop and it kind of mashed it together and it shouldn't work, but it's really good. Yeah. Like my musical taste is mostly like frozen in time. And it's <laughs> I thought you were going to say frozen. I'm like, Oh, I've seen that many times. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, 
you know, it's funny because one of my sons really likes music that is so similar to what I like. Yes. And he'll have me sit and listen to stuff. And I'm like, I like it. You should try this. Oh, so that that's I'm, my dream. But he he never likes anything. No, but that's I think, no, not supposed I to. A, I know. I think it's just a thing, you know, where it's like, you know, because the other day we were listening to something and I'm like, oh, you would love like Camper Van Beethoven or, you know, or the Buzzcocks. And he's like, you know, Ugh. listens to it, thinks it's terrible. Yep. It was like, I look back at my life. My dad is a huge, and actually he now, now, now he actually has a radio show in Connecticut. Like he's been doing for a while at, uh, at Wesleyan University. Oh, cool. But uh, so huge, like folk music fan. And like, I think he really tried to get me and my brother to love like bluegrass and folk and like Bob Dylan didn't work. But now I, I, you go back and you look back at your life. I was like, I didn't fall for the folk music, but I did fall for like punk rock, which was like kind of that like same of the era. Cause not only like, at least one of the greatest things about the punk rock scene, I'm sure you could, hopefully you had the same experiences. Wasn't just like the music, but that was the first place I learned about uh, equal, I wouldn't want to say equal, uh, animal, uh, animal rights. I learned a lot about the LBGTQ community, uh, veganism. Like there was um, no it's funny that wasn't my punk rock because oh, really no it's funny because back then it was just really um you know again this was like we're talking like you know uh just the way the politics it was funny because the way that the world is just seems so messed up right now is how it felt like in the 80s too mm. and so the music was dealing with that yeah it really wasn't I mean, and it's true, this is, I'm showing my age, but like all these issues, they weren't at the forefront yet. They hadn't kind of bubbled up to the surface mm. yet. So people were really just, I mean, really, when you listen to like Milo Goes to College, it was really about just stuff. You know, there were no teachable moments in any of the <laughs> punk rock. It was just like a lot of fun, like angst, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, we're like Agent Orange, you know, just mm -hmm. like these bands where it was just, what I always loved about it too is I felt like, you know, somebody was driving around in their car listening to like Lionel Richie or something. Like they would probably be just crying. Or like that's how it would be with like somebody listening to like Adele. Like, oh, I weep and I <laughs> listen to Adele. You know, and I'm just like, why do you want to do that to yourself? Like I would just have fun. I just want to have fun listening to music, you know, and uh screaming along, singing along or whatever. And but yeah, back then it, I it wasn't really dealing with any of that stuff, like seven seconds, none of that stuff. Oh, seven seconds, yeah. Remember Kevin said, I don't know him, but that was always the guy, Kevin. And, and especially in that scene, everyone, and I, I still do this too, I, whenever I meet someone, with, even wherever the association is from that world, like, because of, like, if you're in a band, you would be like, it would be like, oh, at least monthly would be your name if you're band. Yeah, 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 totally. it just, and then it sticks oh, in that's like my friends, like in, Do you know the guys in Neutral Nation? No. So that they're like, you know, Dave Nation, Mike Nation, like, mm -hmm. it's kind of like that. And that's like what, you know, the punk scene was doing in the 80s, too, you know? Yeah, all my, my phone, all my contacts from my friends who are in bands or for whatever. Like, I've had friends I don't even, like, even to the, like, my friends whose bands have been done for 15 years. Like, it's still John Folly, Jeff Folly. Like, yeah. I, they're still in my phone as that. And they're like, I've done so many other things in my life. I haven't done that in so long. But, but it's there, but I still make that association with everyone. I have but, so many people to introduce you to. Like I have a lot of friends from the old, like I call them the old days. Yeah, that's I that are still picking around, you know. Oh yeah, I remember my my cousin uh, when I was getting was visiting when when she was here when I was getting when, for, for my wedding. Um, I remember 
talking to her and she was in a band um a little bit after your time she was more in that like Slater Kinney like uh like Washington like grungy scene and uh, she met like this noise they're called Unwound this like noise band and she's like I remember playing in Providence once it was in like a warehouse in like Olneyville she's like yes I think they like opened up for like Lightning Bolt or something like that and and she's like yeah and you know I, I've never toured but she's like it all blends together but that one Providence stuck out because it's very rare that you're playing in an abandoned net warehouse and it's fun. But exactly. I didn't see any of that about Providence. Like, I don't know, like, like either of us. I like I missed that whole thing. I my music yeah. scene knowledge of of Rhode Island is kind of I missed it. Just a little bit. That's so funny. And so when, and like not only but you do crafts, but you, like you wrote a book about crafts too. So you're like a multifaceted person. I've done a couple of books. I did two of the Tinker Treasures books, and then I co-wrote a book of IKEA hacks. That is so cool. So I'm gonna write a a, a, divorce, uh, a guide for couples to get through IKEA without getting divorced. I know exactly. I always say, get there when it opens. You'll be fine. I I, Joe, I only half serious. I think anyone who's about to get married, if they're not sure, like you got to go. Um, two two things you got to do: IKEA trip and then uh, tandem kayaking. If you, yeah. can, if you can survive that, you can make it through anything. That's awesome. I was like, when the pandemic hit, I was like, Victoria, we've been kayaking in the same kayak. We're, we're going to make it through this. Aww. It's not the kids. Is, it's the kayak. Yeah, but yeah I know. It's funny because it, those are good points. That's really true. The, the but yeah, again, it was, uh, you know, I was home. Um, I had left my full-time job when my um, first son was born, and I just started doing all kind of freelancing. You know, instead of having like this one job, I had all these other things that I did so that I could mostly be home. And it was during that time that, you know, I just really started crafting with the boys. And I found that actually, if you look at any of my Tinker Treasures books, they really are like, they're pretty much kindergarten crafts that just look super pretty. I mean, they're just super simple, easy crafts. I've got to get this because I'm like, my daughter's three and now she's starting to get into painting and doing more and like oh. playing like... Even now, like, especially now we've been home more and more, I'm like, what do you do with it? At a certain point, like, there's only, they only like their toys so much. They only want to go outside so much. And it's, it was hard to go anywhere for a long time. And, like, you don't want to just, like, here's, the, you, you know, the worst part is they even get sick of the TV. As much, like, they, they get sick of the videos on the phone and the oh, YouTube. Oh, yeah. Like, you'd be like, oh, good, just pop in front of the TV. Like, well, they get sick of that, too, now. So no, really you have to think that. It has to be strategic, you know? Yes. So I'm like, I need to start finding more stuff to entertain her because I can only pick her up and pretend to fall on the couch for so before my before I can like before I'm falling asleep. But like That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, but like my boys as 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 soon as they could like hold like a bottle of glue, we were just like making stuff. That's so fun. And I, it's good. I, I I have to do that because I won't feel bad if it doesn't look good. I'm like, eh, it's for a three year old, who cares? Exactly. It doesn't matter if it looks good even when you're 30 years old, you know? It's just, it's true. It's just fun. It's just it, for fun. It really is. And it's funny, like, um, at my job job, I, I work in behavioral health. And I'm also, like, a, I am also a drunk counselor. And, like, a lot of, like, in, like, for talks and recovery and stuff. But one of the funniest, the things that always comes up is, like, you know, we're big meditation talkers and people and stuff. But um, coloring, like, just, like, even, like, you know, now they have, like, the adult coloring books. And it's something I noticed with my daughter like there's something about those like mindless motions, but like coloring is one of the best coping skills, right? For like we always talk about recovery for anyone, but I, it's, it's it's if you like listen to someone talk about like a monk talking about meditation is how I feel about coloring with Felicity. yeah, coloring is really Just, nice. And when this first when the pandemic pandemic first happened, I remember like when I the day that we were told like you know you're gonna start working from home, 
I stopped at Michael's on my way home. Genius. You know, and uh, one of the things I bought was this this uh, drawing book. Where I mean, just making cute little things. It's like how to draw anything. And really, it's just like cute little plants and bird houses and silly little stuff. But uh, the first couple, of, for, for about a couple of weeks, I had set up the dining room table with like craft paper to cover it. And then I just put all these, you know, every colored pencil marker and stuff I had, paper everywhere. And I was calling it like the drawing room. Oh, that's and so cool. The boys and I, you know, whenever we felt like it, we would just go in there and draw. Now, eventually, the paper started getting like, you know, food was on it. And my husband yeah. was like, let's throw that away. Yeah. You know, but, um, but I, I keep thinking, you know, I should bring the drawing table back because it was nice to just like anytime you felt like it, just go over and draw. Because I'm a, like everyone, I, I have, I'm, the phone is very addicting. Uh, it's nice to have something that isn't the phone. You know, there's yeah. something that it, it, it's a great, it, for well, I do my work, but like it's, um, it really is just such a great way to access the subconscious. And that's where like a lot of the great therapeutic, like you get a lot, you're processing stuff. You're just not even realizing. I, I think for, I also, the, also the other thing I would say that too, if it's, I, think, I feel like if I was a comedian, I can make this a bit, but like listen to someone talk about like fishing, hunting and, or a monk talking about meditation. It's all the pretty much the same thing. Like a yeah. fisherman or hunting, like a lot of it's like, Oh, you know, you just kind of sit there and you're with your thoughts and you're in the silence. I'm like, Oh, you mean you're in the moment? Like the same thing. But I, I think about that a lot. Cause like, how, cause yeah. a lot of what I've tried to do with my job is like, how do I get this information to someone who might not hear it this way and go that, yeah. but, it, but I get that. I also hear that a lot with knitting. I hear a lot of, a lot of the clients I work yeah. with get into knitting and there's something about that, like repetitive motion with the hands with the coloring knitting that just, um, you just feel so relaxed. Just like I know it's funny because I had written an article about all these people who were knitting in Rhode Island, and I thought, you know, I want to give that a try. So, but I just, I just it was making me like t tense. I couldn't really. I thought this is not exactly for me. I'd rather just play with paper or something like that. Yeah, because I'm. Yeah, and at least you, you already know how to do all that stuff too. So well, sure again, you, it's yeah. like, and there's nothing to it. I'm really just like ripping up paper and gluing it to stuff. Yep, I love not but, thinking. Um, but yeah, the drawing is fun, but it's funny, as you say, like getting away from the phone. Of course, well, first, when I set up all the supplies, I must take a picture you of it. You Instagram it if it didn't exist. Exactly. Like you got to create a flat way. Yeah. Take a picture, then you can start drawing. Uh, so, um, so it's interesting to you that I think one of the other people I've met who went from healthcare to, do you, uh, do you know Megan Hall at all or of her? I know of her, yes. She works at the CIC. I think she's another healthcare. I think she's a healthcare reporter, but um, another like health okay. healthcare worker turned media as uh, person, which is something I'm personally like starting to have that hit that point in my life of like, how do I do that? So it's kind of interesting to meet people like, oh, you did this for ten years and then you switched. So well, it was interesting because that was part of like one of my many things that I did. So it, I was actually doing some marketing at a toy store, and struck up a conversation with a woman who was, you know, checking out some stuff. And, you know, I had mentioned like that I was a frustrated PR person that was like working at a toy store because my boys were little or something. And she said, I have just the position for you, you know, the, at this health plan, they're looking for a communications consultant. The ideal person would probably be like a stay at home mom that wasn't looking for a lot of hours, but already really knew the kind of job. And that just led one thing to another. And, um, you know, so I had already done like advertising and PR and all this other yeah. stuff. 
but then really did get into the healthcare writing, you know, because um, is it boring? You probably deal with this, like, you know, you're writing in plain language. So I got really into that, which is like, you know, writing so that somebody understands something the first time it's read. And then I was also doing a lot of writing in like person first language where it's mm -hmm. like, you know, you don't say somebody's blind, you say a person with blindness. Mm -hmm. So there's, so I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed it. I feel like there's a lot of things from that that I use in my job now, you yeah. know, like for instance, I'm always like, there has to be context. People have to understand what we're talking about, you know, spell out acronyms, you know, like all these little things from healthcare that kind of made their way over into like my publishing life. That's too funny. What, yeah. what was that um, moment for you, like to make that decision of like to walk away from the job to then to pursue, to pursue a, uh, was that the job that led, did you go from that to the monthly or what? I know you've had a lot no. of gigs, so let's, let's hear A it. lot of gigs. Yeah, it was like, I'm not gonna have one job, I'm gonna have 10. Um, but it's funny because I had started, you know, freelancing when my, first son, you know, was born. And then when he started high school, I thought, you know what, I think I could have one full-time job now. Mm. So I did start putting out my resumes, you know, out into the market. And I went on many interviews and it was super frustrating because I would talk to people and they would say like, oh, you've authored books. And by then I was already like contributing to national, you know, home magazines. And I, you know, was doing public relations for the Providence Children's Film Festival. And it was like, if you do all these things, you're going to be really bored here. And I would try to, I'd be there convincing somebody, no, no, I won't be bored. I just need this job, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was finally, you know, when I ended up thankfully at Providence Media, it was like the perfect fit because it took all of my experiences. Like, you know, I had done film and video production for a couple of years after college, you know, like I've done photo styling. It all comes together at this job. So it was just, it's just been perfect for me. That's, oh, <laughs> sorry, it just popped in my head. I really love that thing you did. I had to say it now before I forgot. I love that thing you do with Chuck and Gina for the working from home. That was perfect. That was so funny. That was, you know, this, this was kind of like a dark moment, actually. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. So because of the, um, you know, pandemic, our, our print magazines, I mean, they're really supported by paid display ads. And the distribution points are mostly like small shops and cafes. So when everything shut down, you know, the magazines, it was decided that we would pause printing and 75% of the staff got laid off. So sorry. So yeah, it, I mean, everybody's back, thankfully. No, but that's beautiful. So like for about seven or eight weeks, I was, I was the only person in the editorial team. Oh my God. And I was trying, I was really trying to make it look like it was still a full staff. I was writing articles, posting them to the web, sharing them on social media, doing a daily newsletter. I had no budget for anybody. And Chuck and Gina, they, I think they had reached out and said, you know, oh, do you need anything? And I was just like, I have this crazy idea to do this diagram of working from home like what it looks like and i showed them a poster from the 80s it was this diagram it was like are you a preppy mm -hmm. and i sent it to them as just like the inspiration and i just said i just figured like oh chuck will probably take a picture of gina sitting on the front steps and there'll be a paragraph and what he submitted blew me away 
and I was like, I will never forget this in my whole life. Like they oh, that's just so knocked, cool. they knocked it out of the park. There were a couple of people that reached out to me during that time. Like I'll write for you for free. I just want to help. And um, oh. I don't mean to sound like some mafioso, but I'm like, I'll never forget. <laughs> you know? We're in the right state for it. Yeah. I know. That's the it, nice was thing hard. About it. it was hard. I was working like around the clock, like a nut, you know, and from home too, right? From home. I, I, my wife had that uh, experience of just like, I, did you work from home before? Because like for her, it was just like one day, like you're working from home and it's hard. I could work from, I could work from home if I wanted to. The funny thing was I could never figure out what to, when to finally work from home. There was always some reason I needed to be in the office and it mm. was like, if I could only just work from home sometime. You know, and it was like, oh, okay, now I'm always working from home. How, um, how did you manage your work-life balance during this time? Well, my boys are older, so yeah. they're pretty, like, on their own. Um, I actually wasn't managing it very well because I, I, I was just so driven. I didn't want to stop working. And I remember there was even one Friday where the small team that was still in place, they were like, take the weekend off. I'm like, but the newsletter, you know, like... Um, so I really, and then it's funny because I don't know if you find this with yourself, but I'm either like overwhelmed or bored. So all of a sudden it's like Sunday and I'm like, oh, I should start blogging again. Cause what am I going to do on Sunday? You know? Oh my God. I've never heard someone put it that well. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I, I've never, yeah, that's, a, that's actually a, a, a huge problem I've been having with myself as of recent up just like. I have just like this wave of like inspiration ideas and like, I want to do everything. And then you realize everything. there's a lot of other stuff that you can't just time. And I, you know, I, I, I have a full-time job and this is my hobby. And um, maybe up until a few, a few months ago, that was always the plan. Like though my hope, I just had never thought of taking, doing anything else with it. So uh, now I'm like, yeah. And now I'm like, Oh, maybe we should start pivoting. And like, then I was like, I don't know, but it was just me. I was just doing this by myself. And, uh, but yeah, no, I totally understand. And then I would like get this thing and you get really driven and then, um, you know, other external factors can hit you in life and fucking knock, it just knock me down or like, well, I know it's, it, it can be it's rough. Destroy, it can almost, it's like a blessing and a curse. Cause sometimes you're like, oh, I'm so happy. I had this really great idea. And then there's ideas like, why is this great idea keeping me up at three o'clock in the morning? But I have to be up at four, I have to be up in four hours and work a full-time job and, and do all this other stuff. And this, like one of these days I want to find my pet, the thing that like gets me like that to actually pay me, which is always, I think everyone's dream, but no, a hundred percent. And then when you finally get that free time and then you're like, what if I just like, I don't know, start another podcast or fun? like, I've had that thought like a few times, but like, what if this, what if I just add another one to the list? Like why you can't even do that? Yeah. A hundred percent. No, I know every now and then when I get, I, I, I have like say a boring Saturday, I, I put, I start working on like an old book proposal and I think yeah. I, what the heck I couldn't I don't have the bandwidth to do that right now you know but like whenever I have five extra minutes I'm always trying to figure out you know what to do with it I mean I do believe me I have times where I enjoy like a good big binge watch and having a big lazy day but there reaches that point where I'm like okay now I'm bored I need to do like all these other things what's your last binge watch or what well, that comes to mind well, it's, we've been watching what we do in the shadows. The I need to show. see that. Cause I, 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 never, I know the movie, too. I didn't get to see the movie. I love Taika Waititi. Like, yeah. 
fucking oh my god so that series is really great so we I've watched that. that a lot or like um i watched mrs america which i'm oh we watched space force is it good uh, not really it, i think it's trying to be too many things oh. i mean and it looks like it has a really big budget as a great cast it was enjoyable to watch but it wasn't great yeah i like if they came back with another season, I'd probably watch it again. That's a good recommendation. It wasn't, it wasn't great. Yeah. And sometimes, you know? I, sometimes I think you do need that. Like, sometimes I just want to just not think. Watch. And, but, yeah, that's that's too bad. I, I love Greg Daniels. I love Steve Carell. I love everyone in it. Yeah. Um, but it's, that's unfortunate. I wonder. I, I wonder if... to, uh... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, go ahead. I think a great binge watch is always Parks and Rec. Did you watch the Zoom the, the when they did the reunion episode? I yeah. did. Like just oh my god, this, we my wife and I were such Parks and Rec fans to the point where in our wedding vows she used Parks and Rec. Uh, she used Parks and Rec the Parks and Rec line. You know, I, I just, I'm on the aisle and then the, she ends it with and I, I like you and I love you. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we're such pop culture geeks and okay. that's such a. Days for pancakes. Yes, and she, you know my wife. We, she celebrates Valentine's Day every year. That's awesome. And whenever, and like every time there's a holiday, I, Parks and Rec holiday. But like we always have to do the Halloween. But like the Greg stuff. It's a sweet show. It's like a good-natured show. It makes I, anything Michael Schur does. Like, have you watched The Good Place? I have to watch the last season. But you I have watched issues. I know. Not in a bad way. The last episode, like. Uh, it, it did something to me on like an existential oh, no. level. But I, I'm, I have a strange experience too of like the, the, the shortened version of it. I had, my wife had a really traumatic birth and then um, long as I ended up having some, I had post-traumatic stress, which then led me to find EMDR therapy. So now I can say I had PTSD. So um, I get some, I, I can talk about that shit forever. But um, so I was watching The Good Place and I was like, you know, already in an emotional place, like really just really toned into it. And the last episode, it wasn't sad. It was just, just I've, I, I grew so I, um, so I, I grew up like a, the the shortened version of that too. Is like I grew up with a heart condition, and I used to go to this camp uh, for kids with heart conditions. So I had a lot of death in my life. And so it turns out a lot of oh. stuff I worked through in therapy was like losing a lot of stuff. So you know the good place about being afterlife. And that last episode, like I just like I felt, I'd never done mushrooms, but I felt like I did mushrooms. I oh like, was like sinking into it. I mean, like I felt like by the end of it, I was so tired because I was just like, <laughs> yeah. but in the best way, I hope that's not an like, oversell the episode. Cause you're going to be like, wasn't that no, good. no, I'm afraid of it. Now I'm like, that's like, no, but it's be- it's, it's, yeah, it's, you gotta, it's like, you just watch it when you're ready to be in the mood, like in the mood yeah. for just the, the feels and you're saying goodbye to these characters and what the way they end it. And there's yeah. just, the scene with it's I'm not spoiling, but there's a scene with uh, Chidi and Eleanor that they wrap it up, where like they're you know talking about at the scene and um, Chidi takes a, a a different turn about instead of philosophy for the first time, he brings up the Buddhist about with him and oh god I'm getting teary I even think about it oh no and it's just like you know it's the last time they're gonna see each other because that that that's that it all ends and you're just it's the most beautiful moment of a series that just like. Oh, gut wrenching! Oh no! And on the flip side, Miss Maisel's another good one. I'm assuming that you watch love that. that. Yes. Love that. Love, 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 love that show. I never watched Gilmore Girls, and then had to go back and watch Gilmore Girls because I loved the Miss Maisel yeah. so much. Yeah, that uh, is a that shows perfection. 
the season did you the, there is a scene in the latest season when she's on the double date with Lenny Bruce and the guy is like walking around singing um the, that song in Spanish I I ship Midge and Lenny pretty hard at one point I was just watching that video on YouTube for like an hour straight I'm like how is that one like I'm sure like a little part of your production brain kicks in like where did they put the camera how did exactly. they do that oh that's a cut scene because they put that bar right there but then these people are like the, just the production value and then the music and then they cut to Midge and Lenny and I was just like I that is um, the most beautiful human beings I've ever seen it's a, just yeah, classic it's a great, cool such a great show I, I love the, it is the craftiness in you like that show because the the, the 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 Paladinos they do not like skimp on a detail like I want to live in that world well it's really funny because sometimes like speaking of like needing to just have some like you know you know a break from all the news and stuff. I watch a lot of me TV and at nine 30 green acres is on. Mm-hmm. And when I watch that show, I think Amy Sherman Palladino had to have been a green acres fan because it is about all these wacky townspeople. Mm, I bet. You know, it, it's just like a goofy wacky show, but I watch it and I'm like, yep, she, she had to watch the show. Her dad was um, a real life comedian. I think her, her, just her father or her mother, but I think, no, her mother was a dancer and her father was a, um, a Catskill, like a Vorstelt comedian. Oh, really? And I don't think he, I, how close, but she, she uh, Lenny Bruce and her dad were like friendly enough. So that this series was kind of like a homage to her father. I heard an interview with oh. her on a podcast and she's like, I didn't know, I didn't want to write anything with fucking cell phones. So that's why she picked the 50s. And then she wanted to do oh. like kind of an homage to her dad. And Amazon had like a period where they're doing more series like that with like, what is it, like historical fiction where you take like a, yeah. a real time frame. There's another show we loved called Good Girls Revolt that got canceled oh. around the same time, but they would take like a real life time frame of New York and then write the story around it. But with Maisel and I just like, cause you know, Lenny Bruce is real and like the Gaslight yeah. is a real club and all that. It's been so fun. Actually, I think I watched the scene when they go to the Catskills when they enter the cabin and like, Oh There's yeah, a, I mean the sh- the shots are set up. You know, it's almost like a Wes Anderson look where it's just yes. the shots are just so artful. I, I, and then the fashion, I'm like, how? I, like how do you? And then there's this, and if somehow they were able to sort of weave in these great things about like women's rights and and stuff like that within it. Oh, and I know. Even when sexuality. they go to like the dress, like the dress factory, you know, Moisha's mm-hmm. dress factory and stuff. Moisha, <laughs> you know, like just. Uh, yeah, the, the detail is amazing. Oh my goodness! Or then um, when they find out the singer Sha uh, Baldwin is actually gay, like yeah. that scene, I thought that was handled like just so beautifully. With um, yeah, and, and, and Zachary Levi, I never oh. knew could be so charming. I know. And I had just um, I saw him at I, I met him uh, two years ago. I volunteered at uh, Rhode Island Comic Con. And for one of the, I had to go into the group, like, you're not supposed to, but they sent, someone sent me back into the green room. And I was like, okay. And I walked in and there's like, um, Tom Felton, I think his name is, and Zachary and Levi were just sitting there. And I had, used to love the show Chuck. And I knew it was going to be Shazam. And I was like, I didn't know you could be handsome. And then I saw on Maisel and I was like, you're a leading man. And that he was amazing in Shazam as well. Yeah. And just that whole show is just like, uh, do you happen to watch Better Call Saul? No, I never, it's funny, I have like a period of like TV shows when I think when my boys were kind of growing up that I just missed. I, I didn't have time to get committed onto a show. 
So really the Gilmore Girls was like the one one hour drama that I followed for years. I just was like, can't get caught up in stuff, you know? The Netflix, I, I love the, the I love that Netflix reboot they did, the, the Year in the Life. I thought yeah, that, that was, was cool. so beautiful. That episode, they wrapped everything so nice with, like, with Richard. And I was so happy to see yeah. the mom get her story. I know. That, I think that was really... Cool. That was so sweet. Um, so I, I'm curious too. Like, I'm so I'm happy to hear that the month, uh, the Providence Media, and you guys, were, you got to hire people back, and you kind of got through that tough time. I feel like a lot of yeah. us now, like with the pandemic, guys, uh, um, it's a not that it's over. I think that I forgot. There's basically you know you had kids. You know, pretty much anything can happen to a human being, and within like six weeks to six months, it becomes normal. If it's your child, if there's a pandemic, whatever it is, and I, so I have been going to work. I work at um, hospitals and I've been going yeah. in every day uh during even the worst of it even at the periods where like I knew I should be wearing a mask but we couldn't because there wasn't enough PPE yeah it's been a rough time so I, I think I had my harder times with it earlier than some people and it, I mean, a lot of us are all kind of now coming around to like all right kind of getting used to it so how are you feeling with everything I mean I know the monthly just put out a new issue which I can't wait to pick up but I, I went to lay artisans I, I went to a cafe today and I was like looking for it uh -huh. and like and stuff like that, and I didn't know, you know what, I'll be honest, because I, I, I follow the online presence as well, I had no idea any of that stuff happened to your staff, because your content, the beauty of it, all this stuff had come out, I had no clue, so. Oh, good, because I was working like, I was working like a nut I around was, the clock. I could see how, you all put out some great work in that time frame, I'm blown away, and even, yeah. see, um, as an outside perspective, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like it, there was a bit of a shift within the monthly, is that because of the corona hit that you had to be a little more, because it's digital, you could be more like timely instead of like, we're going to do this so that they could talk about the issues that are, you know, news media sometimes can be two days tops. So. Oh yeah. I mean, that was like a big shift because most of our content is always like six to eight weeks away. Like right now I'm planning like August issues, but all of a sudden when the magazines paused, I thought, no, we've got to focus on like right now and just have new stuff on the website constantly so all of a sudden i became like this little like one person news team where you know like i'm on twitter all the time and i would see something and think oh that's a nugget of a story and next thing you know i'd write the story find a photo post the story share the story you know oh so um so but then when we did come back with the print i said um i don't want to lose what what i built up during that time and I keep calling that like the now and the later, like I was working so hard and being in the now that I don't want to lose that now that we also have the later. So I'm hoping to just kind of create this cycle of content where it's like, maybe something starts online, maybe something starts from print, but it mm. can just keep sort of circling back to each other or like even like Robert, who's one of our writers. You know, if there's like, say, a word count of like 400 words, but he comes up with 600, I'm like, well, then the full version will be online, you know, so because cool. I just want to make sure like so there has been a change in the magazines since we've come back, because I think during that time, like the dark times or whatever, you know, I just really started to look at everything differently. Mm. Even like what we put out there and and rather like even when we're planning the new magazines. I feel like I only want the best content to make it to print. I don't want to just check off boxes. You know, I want to make sure like what we're talking about is like relevant and, and, you know, useful and strategic and not just like, Oh, I need to like, you know, 
include a store, you know, like, I just want to make sure everything in there is really worthwhile. And I'm probably driving some people crazy because I am on Twitter all the time. And all the way until like the press date, I'm still making changes to the copy so that it's relevant, you know, because life is changing like second by second by now. And I just want to make sure we're there. I could see your enthusiasm lighting up. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. The thing I've always loved about the monthly and even now too, it's like you, uh, like one of the, I thought it was so nice when you guys did the uh, the month the the monthly that was it the monthly did the article of like uh, the ways you could support the black life uh, black business owner uh, restaurant owners in Rhode Island like both topicals of the time but not like in the sense where like I get through phases where I um, for my own self for my own self care I I have to just I can't just be I cannot I know myself and if I consume media uh, the news media too much it doesn't do good for me so the monthly can sometimes be a way to escape but that was a way I could escape but I felt good and I could do something. And well, I absolutely you know, love really, that. We were all like wringing our, our hands. Like, what can we do? What can we say? You know? And when we just were like, we don't want to just put out like some stupid, like thoughts and prayers, you know, like we wanted to have something useful out there. And so, um, you know, Abby Lommers, who's our editorial assistant, you know, she worked real. it was, it was like a drop everything and do this. Let's get this out right now. And that was shared 11.2 thousand times. And that's a lot for us. That's one of them. Yeah, thank you. That is a lot for us. That's great. Yeah, so we all felt really proud that we were contributing something good out there, you know? Yeah, and it was, I I, I like that stuff. Like, I remember when I um, had um, met with uh, Oren a long time ago for like coffee, a few years back, like the the idea, he was like, yeah, the the idea of it was more of like, the way he put it, it was like, I'm trying to, I don't want to misquote him, so I won't, but it was like the monthly at that time, a few years back, as it should be, was just more of like a highlight of what was going on, and it was, it's interesting. So the corona hits, A, you have to deal with that on a family level, and then your professional level about the job shift. Did you ever think at one point that in your life that you would be like, oh my God, there's a global pandemic, and now I'm literally carrying like a media company in a way on my shoulders and pivoting, because, you know, print media has had us different history with the internet and for better or worse pandemic has changed a lot of things at least even my industry has changed completely like uh all of our industries and you you weathered the storm and all your no one lost their job so like yeah i know i kind of feel like you know you're just kind of riding the surf i mean it's there's no you know there's no like promises about anything And so like, I just feel like right now, I just want to, um, you know, keep building up all the different, you know, like the website, the social media, because I I keep thinking, well, if we all end up in a lockdown again, I want to make sure we're in a better position. Um, When we do. (laughs) You know, and and I have this quote, like, you know, that I keep saying where it's like, (laughs) this time I'll try to get it right. But if you're traveling to another time zone, you know, you can either keep looking at your watch and saying, well, it's 12 o'clock, I better have lunch. Or you can just be like, well, we're six hours ahead. It's it's six o'clock my time. And I think with all of this, you know, you can either keep saying, oh, well, I would have done this. Like you can't, you just have to keep going forward and saying, well, this is what we have now. You're going to have to go out and wear a mask. You're going to have to stand six feet away from somebody like it just kind of is what it is and and what can you do 
And um, it's funny because for a while I was also trying to, uh, you know, be part of the press conferences that Gina Raimondo was doing every day. So I would like, you know, I was keyed in as the press and like asking questions and really tuning in and listening. And it was around um, when I was really in the thick of it, she was interviewed in the New York Times and she concluded her article. And I know I said this on Jessica David's podcast, but she has said twice, there's no option to stop. There's no option to stop. And like that has really become such a mantra to me mm-hmm. because like, well, what's the alternative, you know, like, and also with this job, I'm like, this is my dream job and I finally have it. And I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to keep this ship like afloat. Yeah. Well, there's a, a saying that we have in, um, in my field, or I think it's a Winston Churchill quote, when you're in hell, just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. You have to just kind of soldier through and, you just and learn, yeah. You know, there's an old saying too, learning to love the rope. Yeah, like, what is it? Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Yeah, yeah. That was, is it for that? I remember interviewing um, Jeff Garlock played in, um, his, after your time, but before my time, music uh, music time, he played in a band called Orchid, which is like, you know, no one knows who they are, but they're like, one of those like very rare emo band things. But he had something, he remember in an interview with him, he had told me this quote about learning to love the rope, which I think is from that, Dr. Strange Love. And kind of like, and that's how he said about touring. He's like, it, that was his metaphor of like, you, you kind of learn to love the things that you hate. And mm. that's, that's how you, it's kind of how you have to get through everything. And like, like, I'm, I had to, and I, especially at the beginning, I kind of keep like checking on myself and be like, all right, you've been through worse for longer. You can do this. Like, you know, you, I've, I've sat in like the NICU, not knowing if my wife was alive or dead for like hours on end. Like I, I've had, like, I've got to the point where I've had to con- confront my worst fears and like you know it fucking sucks but you go through it and then it makes you stronger so for like better or worse i'm excited to see what the flip side for the positive sides of all this will be because like especially industry-wide because for all the different industries like where i work like um insurance companies would never allow telehealth uh for for what i did and and now Rhode Island actually just passed a lot since they have to continue so my industry just overnight went from like, I mean, literally I own the, my computer at work didn't have a webcam because for HIPAA, like there's restrict the rules. Yeah. Uh, so, and all of a sudden we go from that to like, okay, now I'm doing six, I'm just talking to people virtually and like, it's going to have a positive ripple effect for our industries, which is, it's so great. So, I mean, yeah. it's so great that we get to talk at this time too. Like, cause we had been talking beforehand. It's just like, oh, cool. It'll be fun. And it's like, oh, it turns out we are also coming out of like a really weird personal time of like, I don't know. A week ago, I thought my whole future was over. Then the Black Life Movement, Black Lives Matter movement, just swole me up with hope and optimism for our future. And whatever fight we're about to fight, we're gonna win. And we got it. We like, like so, kind of like this comp, like we got this, America. Go Rhode Island. Yeah. And the fact I'm so happy to hear that the that the, the Providence Media will still be alive to keep documenting what we have going on here. It's so great. Yeah. I know. Oh, it's so. It, it's so. Committed. You know, we're all super committed to it. We're like a small team, but we are like just really so passionate about the magazines and the work. And we, it's all like of our dream jobs, whether it's somebody in sales or the art department or oh, editorial, so you know, we're all just like, we're making magazines in Rhode Island, you know? Oh, I, I mean, I looked at, I'm a fan of it. Like legit, when I first started dating my wife, that was the thing. I'd find it like, look at all these, that's how I find cool things. I use it for my jobs when I meet with clients a lot because I'm a, I'm a case manager and a lot of sometimes I go work with people like getting out and being more social. and like, what do you do? And like one, at least once, at least once a week with a client, I sit down with a monthly and we circle different stuff that's going on. 
I'm like, here, Aww. do this. And this is it's virtual. For like the last five years, I've been doing that at work. It's that's awesome. It's, it's such a great thing. Uh, you, so we're, as a just like a, a fan of it, it's so like the first like being at the writers club, I watch your writers club, and like meeting Robert and being like, oh god, I hope this is weird, but like I knew his name. I was like, I read your cover. So well, I'm sure he loves that. Yeah. Speaking, doesn't he? This is uh, doesn't he kind of throw a little bit of a Zachary Levi and Maisel vibe? I don't get that. No. Every time no. I first met him, I was like. Charming motherfucker. He's charming, but I yeah. see. I think even though he's from like, uh, is it New Hampshire or Maine? Oh, now it all makes sense. Not, I forget. I should know. But to me, he almost has more of like a California vibe. Oh, I can see. Yeah, he you did know, remind me like, of. Mm -hmm. You know, he did remind me of some of the West Coast people. What I've been out in the West is so funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I think that's oh, the last thing I had written down. I know we were both Thirty Rock fans. I've been starting to do a little bit of a 30 Rock I didn't do, I never done a full 30 Rock rewatch. I always find myself just like jumping. I always start with the early seasons. I can't get past certain ones. I don't know why, but I will watch um, the, the one where Tracy thinks he goes to space once a month. That's hysterical. Oh, my God. I haven't watched that in a while, actually. But, you know, I, I also love what, I think Alec Baldwin is just so awesome. And no. there's this thing that I love where he, um, He's doing a dialogue back and forth with Tracy as his father. And oh, the therapy session? Yeah. And then he starts, like, breaking into, like, like good times. Wow, Tracy, your mama. Yeah. Like, I, I, and I, I never and, like, the it. neighbor. He's, like, the oh, neighbor. Like, I was, like, I, which I had no right to say this. So I'm, like, that Al Baldwin's a good actor. Because I wasn't, like, familiar with his work. Because I just never really liked him, to be honest. Well, what I love, I feel like any show, and my boys tease me about this because I say this all the time. Any show she's involved with always has some really good lessons, you know, like Kimmy Schmidt. And she had this other show she was, I think, an executive producer for called Great News. I heard that was good. So good. It was on for two seasons. I loved it. And again, more Tina Fey lessons about society, which I love. And I love her. Uh, that, that she's like, uh, she's the, she's so incredible. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. So, and then her and Paula are like old time, like best friends. Which is like that's not even funny. It's like they were friends for like Second City for like years and years ago. Yep. You know what's funny? When I was in college, I got razzed all the time because I and I time proving right. I was such a stan and such a hardcore fan and like champion of Mean Girls and being like, this isn't just like a good movie. Like this isn't just because uh, Lindsay Lohan's in it or whoever. I'm like, I'm yeah. Like, God to honest, this is like a beautiful piece of art. And now like all these I years later. Yeah, I only saw that once in the movies. Watch it again. I just watched it again recently, and it holds up to this level, like, as an adult, and you have uh, high school age kids, so you're just, it's like, oh my god, like, and Tina Fey wrote it. I mean, it is yeah. so funny, and this is before the Lindsay Lohan experience, uh, all the stuff that yeah. goes on with her, but oh my goodness. Um, well, at least this has been uh, such a such a blast. Um, is there anything okay. you missed, or anything um, you wanted to bring, that we missed uh I think we hit it on. I know we got Crafts, Punk Rock, and The Monthly. I know, exactly. Are there any bands that you always wanted to see and maybe I saw them? Probably all of them. Well, you saw Minor Threat, you said? No, they're the only band. I, really? I never saw Minor Threat. I never saw Mission of Burma. Uh, Fugazi? Did you ever come around that era? I did see Fugazi. Oh, my God. Where? Tell me everything. Probably the living room. It's funny. Like, it's oh almost fuzzy. Well, I'm, I'm actually, like, I'm pretty sure I saw Fugazi. I believe you. Like, I just saw bands... 
three times a week I was out seeing bands play. Sure. It's like, was Fear Wait, playing? Did I'm sure you did. You know what? I can't remember. Did you ever see like Fear play or anything like that? I'm trying. I don't remember that era of like that. Uh, the Crow Mags is probably the band I know the most of that I, I should have made a list. But it's funny because, you know, back then that's when Thayer Street was actually like a cool. It was always like this trendy street, but that's where like the punks hung out. Oh, was it? And it was full of record stores. Oh. You know, like you, you know, I would, I would DJ like say on a Friday or Saturday night and I'd always get paid like, um, and then, you know, that, that next day I would take like my cash and just really go to like two or three record stores on Thayer Street and buy more records. Do you still like, have all your old records? I do. Cause it's so cool that vinyl made that comeback. Like, well, it never really went away. What, what, what's in your collection that would be like surprise people? There's, um, that would surprise people. I mean, I guess anything you say for, I'm, I'm just, in my, I have this, like, I made this whole version of you in my head that you're going to go to work and maybe someone in your office is going to listen to this, like, what were those words you said? Like, I could be completely wrong. Cause I don't, did you say Tony used to, used to jazz Tony from that, about that? Tony used to tease me all the time. You know, he'd be like, yeah, go listen to the dead Kennedys or something. Oh you know? God, that, they did not age well, at least in my opinion. No, I never, you know what? I've, I've saw, I've seen them play. I never got into them. I never liked like Jello's voice. I couldn't get into it. I never liked him. I never liked, I didn't like, and I didn't like the people that listened to them. And um, yeah. like all, all those are the people that kind of grew up to become the opposite viewpoints of mine that I share now. So they were like, the yeah, there you go. they were the people who went so far left. They went right. They're the Infowar crowd. That was our version of that. That's a, wow, yeah. That's too funny. I'm actually doing their podcast, uh, What Did We Miss, uh, Tony's podcast um, on Tuesday. And, um, oh. and what, we were going back and forth in the idea of like what to pick. And of course, my, I was trying to convince them to do DuckTales. But of course, we ended up settling on uh, Sunny Day Real Estate. I completely missed that band. I never. Oh. And yeah. I love everything they influenced. Because I think they come out in the 90s. So I'm a huge like, fan of like that later, like the Ghetto Kids and like that world of emo. And I had no idea, so it's been funny. I've been like thinking, listening to those guys in my head, like getting prepared and like listening to like that stuff I had never heard of. I was like, I think the record in my collection that would surprise somebody might be like the Angry Samoans. That's <laughs> so great. That is so great. And there, and there's such a thriving vinyl scene in Providence, and we have records like a lot of record stores. Yeah. Well, it's funny because um, it was recently. Uh, record store day independent record store day or something like that that was another thing i was like driven Ugh. to share like even though i knew it was postponed you know i was uh sharing all about it on social media i think i put an article together um you know because i just that's such a pet cause of mine of like independent bookstores independent record stores i did the same thing for like free comic book day was postponed yeah but i'm like you must support comic book day so like put together oh. a listicle of comic book stores and tried to get that around you know do you, do you think um part of like all the of your your freelance work and everything you've done like do you find that you know, any of these ethics from the the scene that you still hold today from like the punk rock and that hardcore scene of that mentality the scene i love saying the scene i know like we call um, it scene, scene ethics and like i i and i i sometimes i can think they can be a curse but like I, I find that like, I'll find that like I hold on to them to this day like very strongly, especially like with doing this and like, but even just I feel like I'm getting a sense of that from you like that. I think it was definitely like this familial sense. Like even though it might look like this like, you know, like wacky place, it was just such like a safe 
like like there was like a warmth to it you know it's kind of crazy no i 100 percent understand it's fa- it you know, family yeah i mean i could you know i remember going to see bands you know you'd go by yourself you felt fine yeah to just you know to just go see some bands play because you just felt like i don't know it wasn't it's not like going to a club where people are like just there to like drink or or like meet people you know you're there because you really want to see the music did you and like mosh and stuff like just a couple of times i was more like Meh, you know like on the, on the side. edge that's Never still pretty you know, um, there was a really funny show. No, but like people my age will never forget. But the circle jerks played, and like Keith Morris had hurt his leg, and he did the whole set from a stool. <laughs> like hysterical, like a lounge act. It was hysterical. That's so weird. I know, but it was yeah. So that I would say those are my things from the scene. In fact, I should um, I have a list of people I'm thinking of that you would love to have on your show. In fact, oh, please. Our music writer Adam Hogue. Um, he's awesome. And every article, I, it's almost like a drinking game. Like he mentions like the scene, you must say the scene like three times in every I'm article. I'm going to have to look him up. Like, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of like finding like old people from that world. Like, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite websites is the hard times, which is like a satire site, which is basically, I'm sure you probably see their headlines, but they're, the way they explain it is they're the onion of vice is how they kind of started off. Oh, and funny. It was, and their older stuff is very, very, like, very just our world. And now it's kind of expanded more to, like, more culture. But, like, the, one of my favorite headlines that made me find the web that I, I love was, um, which was Hardcore Band Accidentally Reunites in Whole Foods Break Room. And that was what turned me on to the, you know, you know that, that just it kills me. Uh, it's so it's so funny. It's so nice to me to hear because like I've been you know just uh, like such a fan of Providence in Rhode Island. So like the monthly was something like so many positive memories. Like Seven Stars on Broadway, you know, Life Before Kids. We would go Seven Stars yeah. on Broadway and like pick up the monthly, and that would be like our Saturday. And to know that it's been with all these nice people and run with like the scene ethics that, that coming from you, I'm like, oh yeah, there's a lot of great stuff that come from that world. Like. I mean, a lot of it's just that basic stuff, like don't judge a book by its cover. Like some of the most scariest people I've ever, looking like intimidating people I've ever met, I've been just acts of kindness that, even like what you spoke at the top of the show, that to this day, like, I mean, my, my friend, my one of my closest friends, Amanda, met her husband from, we would go see his band Folly play all the time. Now they have kids together and their music Aww. doesn't, is like a, they're a hardcore metal band with ska breakdowns. And now like when we hang out, our kids play together. So it's, there's this, a softness to it. Like, and always like, yeah. and I always love that. I've always, uh, it, it, it's great. You know, it's always like, it makes you want to kind of explore, peel the onion back a little bit with everyone because people always kind of surprise you. Often yeah. for, for the better, for the most part. Yeah. In fact, um, two things with the, with the monthlies I do for Providence monthly, I do want to infuse a little bit of an edge to it as far as like you know, we're, before like all this hit you know i was thinking about doing some sort of nightlife experience column where maybe somebody goes to a club and i when i say club i mean like you know to go see bands play and you know what was it like and oh yeah so hopefully we'll be doing some more stuff like that as like things start to open up again yeah but uh, oh i want to mention this too is um when my son jonah was like i think he was like two I made him a Milo Goes to Preschool t-shirt. 
Oh my goodness, that is, you have, you have to dig up a picture of that if you can find it. I know, it, it was great adorable. took the album cover and just kind of like oh, muted out, that. you know, like the college and put preschool and like made him wear it like walking down Thayer Street or something. Oh you know, my to goodness. You I should, know. Oh my God, you should do that thing. You know that people do, they take an old photo and then they have to recreate it. You should remake yeah, it as an adult. Never, but Milo goes to college. Oh yeah, you'll have to do it without telling him. Or Photoshop. Exactly. Find some good totally. Photoshop. Exactly. Yeah. And then, Dad, you got tons of, I, I don't know how you editorial magazine writers work, but like there's plenty of, to write about podcasts as well. Like there's a whole scene within that. I'm sure for you all, it must just be a matter of time. So maybe we can help you edge it up. Yeah. You know <laughs> what? We, podcasts we don't give a fuck. We'll have to email about that because yes. we'll, we I know we've covered like Bill Bartholomew. Yeah. Oh, does that guy sleep? I don't know, but like, you know, so we'll have to, you know, we have to do more stuff and, you know, to help promote your show and all oh, that yeah. stuff. Yeah, there's some great people here. And actually, I have one last question. How do you pronounce yeah. your last name? Because I have a little bit of a dyslexia. So I just assumed it was Major, but then oh, I no. heard you, it, it's actually spelled the way it looks, which never yeah, happens. So major. up until uh, I listened to Chronicast, I just assumed you were Elise Major. But then Major. <laughs> I was like, the one time I like, overcorrected for my dyslexia i was wrong funny well at first i thought your last name was revile and i thought hey I like how that. punk rock is that i love that everyone always thinks it's rebel so i never correct them ever my whole life it's like rebel like yep just yep. Too, shy, too shy and 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 don't and so i'm like oh, okay but i mean well oh this has been so fun i hope when things get normal we could do this like irl because I know. That was always one of my holdoff for asking a lot of the more local people is like just so much more fun to do stuff. I had just gotten to the point maybe within the last year I was recording out of the studio. So I was, I was able to do a little more of a, a local focus and then everything happened. Yeah. So I went back to mobile to, to remote and then uh, some things have shifted. But like, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it's fun. It's, I, I'm sure as you must know with your, as well too, it's like you, I still be like, I can't believe you're talking to me. That still happens. Like, it's a, it's a, it's such a, it's an incredible thing where people will just like that you don't feel like you should have access to will give you some of their time. I was just talking about that with my son today, actually, because oh, start um, a podcast it's, or you know, something. Because, yeah, yeah, he was asking me how I met Fifi O'Neill, and she is um, become like this really dear friend of mine, and she was editor in chief of like many, many home decor magazines and she's written many books and she's just become like this this wonderful person in my life and my son Ethan was like how did you meet Fifi in the first place and it was just like I was a fan and I approached her on her blog pitching stories to write for her and it just developed into this friendship and like so in my magazine my like national magazine world I am friends with a lot of people, like, same thing. Like, I, I am surprised. I still can't believe that I know some of these people, you yeah. know. We're, but it's really cool because I think, you know, all this online stuff, it does give you such access to people. You know, even when somebody might read, like, a famous person retreats, retweets you or something. It's cool. You're like, it's just like, they, I'm on their radar, you know, yeah. for one second. It, it, it is, and it's nice. And at least from my experience, I find that if you bypass public relations and go to the person directly, you will get it more often than not. People are okay. And and sometimes it's just like a personal thing. Like those people might not be famous outside of their world, but like, to, like I got to interview um, a couple of times, Nathan from Gray, who played in Boy Sets Fire, who like, you know, not famous, but 
that was the band that like changed my life. And Aww. then he got, I got to talk to him as an adult. And then, then like months later, his the people wrote back like, can we come back on to promote his album? And you get this moment of like, am I peers with like, I bonded with Chris Riley on my bus in high school, listening to that after the eulogy, like that album made me who I am. Wow. And then you're all of a sudden, or even a recent episode, I got to interview uh, Benny Horowitz, who played in the Gaslight Anthem, who's like one of my favorite bands and he's also one of my favorite podcasters but if you know you go on google you look up the gaslight anthem the verse video is um them playing at Reading's reading reading and leeds festival and bruce springsteen comes out and plays a gaslight anthem song with them in front of like a hundred thousand people and then so this probably came out like last month and then so we get on to go have the you know we get on to our podcast i'm like oh my god i can't believe i'm talking to benny we didn't talk about music at all. It just turned into like therapy talk and like our wow. existential, like, like, and like our kids were both in the NICU and all of a sudden you're like, just this moment of like, oh yeah, we're just all people. And just like, we're on this, that like you just have these moments, like we're all on the spinning rock together and just reaching for, like, even though he's played with Bruce and had all these crazy life experiences, he's like, it's just a dad and just wants to talk and just connect with people. And, yeah. Um, sometimes fame and money can put blocks up there. Now there's a, what, some of those breaking down things, and it, it's I, I personally love it. I think yeah, that's one of the greatest things about podcast and and the newer media, if you will, like YouTube or. Well, I mean, if you look at like the most popular podcast, it's the Joe Rogan Experience, and those are like three hours long. So wow. it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's really it really is cool. I mean, even just look at like. You know, how did we connect? You know, like Twitter. we spotted each other on Twitter, and now we're having this like fun conversation. I know, and and like, and then, yeah, and I think because of the pandemic, now that level, you know, there used to be like I have internet friends and I have friend friends, and now like I got to the point where like I consider the people I, like, oh my god, well, so like my I the producers and like my new my team that I have that we just kind of built, um, two of them were actually it's all three of them, but like two of them were fans, and we first. And we've still never met in real life. Like my producer Brianna, like we just talk about like all the time, and like we've never met, but yeah. she's my friend. And then uh, you know, it's just so funny how that works now. It's like I, I used to be like if I met someone online, I'm like well, we're not really friends. We never actually met, but I'm like I don't know. I've I've had some pretty deep conversations on Skype with people that I've never met in real life, and then I've had like just people I've known in my real life where we've never gotten to that another level of like. Well, it's also true. Like I have friends from like blogging that I've known since 2008 mm -hmm. and we connect on things that maybe people in my life don't quite get about me, you know, where it's sort yes. of like, you know, Oh, I love to collect like vintage cupcake toppers, you know, oh and it's God, like, me too. So cool. you know, like some little crazy random thing like yes. that. And you find through that, you find like these few, pe these people all over the world that have that common interest. And all of a sudden you have this friendship and this bond and you're, you know, when I first started blogging, like, we're always sending each other presents and doing swaps. And, you know, then we all started to find each other on Facebook and Instagram. I mean, you know, what's funny, I have some of these people who I feel like I really know, and I've never met them or maybe even heard their voice, you know? Oh, but 100%. We have, we have that bond, and I get that. Like, when yeah. my sons even play games with people from all over the world, like, I understand that bond that can form. It's nice to hear that like a mom of like gets that because there are a generation of parents that don't understand that i'm like that's how they connect nowadays like it's not riding your bicycles in the streets and this because it's not the 80s and they, they play fortnite and they talk and my, my boys help me stay woke <laughs> yeah <laughs> i hope felicity will do the same but i'm already expecting the dad Stop. no she'll be cool well yeah, it's funny no. did you see on twitter today i was like thank thank 
thanking my voice so that I know terms like calling somebody a Karen, you know? Oh, <laughs> and how you don't want to be a Karen. And one of my friends I at work, she's not Karen, I want to be a Karen. Oh, I have a friend at work and her name is Karen and she's, she's, yeah, I think, I think uh, no, she's very proud. She's 55 or 54. She tells me every day and she's not a Karen at all, but that's her name. And so she really hates the term Karen because it's so opposite and she's so like, yeah. And now my goal every day, I try to, instead of now calling people Karens, I try to call her by her last name. Like, that's such a Norton thing to do. And it, it's just, uh, I feel so, and she's like, so not that, it's so funny. But they, yeah, that's true. Cause I, and I'm, I, I'm like, how do you know that Karen? Your kids are older. But, but you know, I think there's certain people who like to stay dialed into the culture. And I think it makes yeah. you a better human being to know what's going on. I do on. too. Plus, plus also, I want to make sure that anything I write is like relevant. You know, right. and like, you know, I want to make sure I'm not using like super old dated expressions or something that nobody even knows what I'm talking about anymore. Yeah, the kids were out there smoking the jazz cigarettes and be like, exactly. What? Like, I love Conan O'Brien, and for some reason, all of his references are always from the 20s and 30s. And yep. he talks about that too all the time. He actually he he picks himself like he does this, a segment on a show called Clueless Glamour where he plays video games. He has no idea what he's doing. Like he like pokes fun at it. But I don't like the people who do that and they get angry at everyone else. Like, how do you not like this thing from 1912? Like, I don't know. I don't watch Buster Keaton, man. I, I have YouTube. I have to, I, for, my personal YouTube habits are embarrassing. Like, if I get, like, kind of, like, not feeling so good, I tend to watch isolated tracks of the Beach Boys. <laughs> and then hey. I, go, <laughs> I just, like, have to get, like, man, I just need to, like, have some gummy, I just have to have my edibles and just listen to God only knows why like 75 times and then after that i just like go through isolated vocal the other night for just no i've been no, I, I have oh. my other son is oh. very he's going through, he was going through a big pet sounds phase it's like really so, good i yeah. feel like everyone does that every year and i feel like i'm 35 just recognizing i'm like and then i have to like they didn't even have the same technology so they I have to record it on tape and and, and then i'm like yeah, I just get so obsessed with like I was watching Butch Vig uh, doing um, like explaining how they recorded Nevermind, and he kept doing the solo. Uh, he was doing solo tracks of Nirvana, of, of Kurt doing like some of the song. I think it was Come As You Are, and like the, the and just like just the feelings of it. And like my YouTube, like you would think I'd go on YouTube and watch something else. But always it's just like music videos, live concert performances, and like obscure like. Did Prince and David Bowie ever do a song together? Just like stuff like that, or like I'm always watching like Melissa Villas in your clips. <laughs> she is so funny. I love her. And there's this one thing I must share it on Twitter like once a week because it makes me laugh and I want to find it over and over and over again. But I'm usually just watching a lot of comedy and stuff. Oh, have I you like the um, old. There's an old SNL older, not old, but older, like last few years with Fred Armisen, where they um, play, it's like a punk band reuniting at the daughter's wedding. <laughs> oh, wait, I don't know if I remember that one, but it's I like, know he's done a couple of times where he's like the punk, he's in a it's punk him, band. It's him, Dave Grohl, and um, Crisis of Conformity. It's him, Dave Grohl, and um, um, uh, Ashton Kutcher, and they, like, they oh. all look like, you know, middle-aged men, and, and like, they just get up, and they're, oh, sweetie, Sharon, I'm just so happy for your special day, and we're gonna get the band get together, and then he breaks into, like, a, a song of, like, a, if that's, like, and they just trash the fucking place. One, two, three, four. Yeah. And I'll then, like, have to look for that. Oh my god, Dave Grohl does the thing. It's like, and I've got to wear my tie. And like, does and it's it's about like aged aged punk rockers and like, well, my, awesome. like my cousin Sarah, like she's now you know like 
um, I don't know how old she is, in her 40s with kids. And so she played uh, drums with um, Corinne Tucker, who was in, in her solo band, for, who was in Slater Kenny. But like they would go on tour like, with her kids, like because punk rock ages, like they're just punk rock moms. So like my little nephew, Nico, or nephew, my little cousin, Nico, he, A, he's actually in an episode of Portlandia. Uh, uh, oh, that's cool. In that little world with like Fred and everyone. And um, like how I, I was twice, I talked to her, like touring was so fun. And then it turns into like being a mom, running, playing the show in Japan, and then running back to the bus and putting your kid to bed. Like, oh my gosh. It's nice to like, like it doesn't, uh, they're humanizing, but it's so funny. Like, oh yeah, even punk rockers get old. Yeah. You ever seen that documentary, The Other F Word? No. It's really, really beautiful and heartwarming. It's about uh, punk rock dads, essentially, about like yeah. the other F word being fatherhood. So it, it it talks to all these like musicians about like being punk rock, me being musicians and being dads. And it follows. I want to say I forgot what band. Oh my! I'm drawing a complete blank. But there's um. I'm so sorry. I can't remember the name. But a a band who the the member is deciding to leave because he wants to go to Spain. He wants to leave the band so he can be home with his daughters. And it's like, it's really, you know, it gets to live like the dream, but like what it takes to really be a musician is you're not home all those years. It, it's really, I, I, I just love documentaries. And no, there's a, there's also a good book called Black Postcards and it's written by Dean Wareham and he's in this band Luna that I love. And they had been in this band, uh, Galaxy 500 from Boston back in oh, like, yeah, I know, I know that name. Yeah. And it, it's such like a snapshot of what, that whole period was like and it's cool because he writes about like you know he's in Boston at first and then he's in New York and it also shows how you know when he's not on tour in Europe like he's he's working at an office job making copies yeah. you know like it, it's just like such like a switch from it, it was just really interesting because he does talk about different bands that they toured with and I remember like I used to DJ at the Rock and on Friday and Saturday nights and you know, he, he talks about bands that had played there. And so that was really cool. I just, the last one from wherever this is, but I, I interviewed, um, it's actually someone who's become my friend. We've, we've become a couple, few uh, interviews. This act, um, his documentary filmmaker called Sean, his name is Sean Cologne. Um, he's probably more known for right now. He made a, movie, a documentary called A Fat Wreck on Amazon Prime about fat records, which is really, uh, you, even like as someone who didn't like, like fat records very much or know much about him, it's just a great documentary. Um, but he was just telling me um, it's he had made a, a documentary called Lifer about working class artists. And this year, like this, the majority of it it takes place in uh, Fall Reeve, following the um, the Wyhelm Scream guys. I don't know if really? you know that. They were there's they were smacking Isaiah, another Wyhelm Scream. Um, it hasn't come out yet, but he like it's he he the episode he was talking a lot about that. But it was like oh, which I, I can't wait to see it. How cool is that that it happened to be taking place here in Fall River or like parts of it are like yeah. in Fall Reeve. Uh, really, Reeve. really wonderful. He's a really good. Dude. Of course, Fall River, home of the proletariat. And, I, uh, I don't know them, but like you know, they were on this like Boston, not LA compilation. And oh, like, I used to love. Yeah, because I love. There's a Scott band. I love Big D and the Kids Table, and that was one of their things. Was um, this like always like you know Boston, not LA, and I think they took that from that. I, I would, yeah, oh, probably. Oh, but they had you know some really great songs. Did you ever see anyone like were there fights and stuff at the shows you went to? And the hardcore scene? Oh, yeah. There was, like, this one time when Murphy's Law played, and it turned into, like, like a, a brawl that went around the room like a hurricane. 
Yeah, there used to be a band. I think it was Blood for Blood. It would, they had the their T-shirt was like, "I went to a fight and a Blood for Blood show broke out." And like, I'm not like a ma- I'm not emasculine. I'm just not like I don't want to be in a fight. I look back and like, why did I go to those things? Like, and I would stand there and people would like run and jump into the crowd and like just fucking fist punch down. And little old me thinking like, no, I'm fine. And like at one point, like getting mad and like actually punching back. Like, why did I do that? I, mean, I know it's so like, funny though like I remember like there was this one show my friend Cindy and I we wanted to be right up front and you know it's funny because you would even see a band play that that wasn't like a hardcore band but all of a sudden like a pit would break out or something like that next thing you know people are stage diving and they're jumping on you and all this stuff and I forget who the band was but you know we're standing in the front row and we have like footprints on our shoulders yes and, and we're laughing we're like if our parents could see us now, like, why are you here, you know? I remember, I knew I got old. We were just like, must see the band right up front. And sometimes the band, because we would do that a lot, they would just pull us up on stage. Yeah, oh yeah. There and watch the show on stage safely, you know? I got stitches right here from a stage dive gone wrong. Oh no! I've had, um, I've had like a, a the singer, like, like, it was my friend too, but he ran off the drum kit, like stood on the drum kit and fell back microphone to the head i've um i saw a guy want stage dive and nobody caught him hello i was yep that was me i've had like that happen went down i was i was at the empress ballroom in connecticut which it's had some names but it was like or but it was um a very high stage it was a uh, melt banana big d in the kids table and folly and it was me and andy from the flame and snobbies went to go stage dive together and i hopped too high like and I accidentally missed the crowd because the stage was like for whatever reason it was just like the high the highest stage it was like a maybe a six to eight foot stage and I put too much pep and there wasn't enough of a crowd and I'm not small so like I jumped way too high I literally dove missed the crowd and a couple people got my leg and my arm took enough of the brunt and just all of a sudden gush of blood hilarious oh, no. yeah everyone I'll never forget it this was at a club called the Channel and I think the band that? Like, it was in Boston, and that was a great place to see bands play. And uh, I think it was Bullet LaVolta was playing, and they were like this Boston, like, I don't know, punky metal kind of thing. And uh, this a guy from another band that I remember, Green Magnet School, I'll never forget it. He, like, did a real dive, and the, co- the crowd spread. <laughs> like, Bam! like flat like oh. I, i'll never forget it like sometimes i'll wonder like whatever happened to that guy can he walk you know like it was just uh, yeah. like horrible like scary oh i know you know you know other uh scene ethics that i think i still carry to this day nazi punks fuck off yeah. i think that we need that more than ever i remember like i kind yeah, of like need that more than ever i got like a debate today with someone at work about how i was like yeah if i see someone with a swastika i, I have every right to hit them they're like no no violence begets violence they're like nazi uh, no. punks I was like, I'm like, yeah, exactly. Being a Nazi is a violent act, so I get to hit you. Like, exactly. and my friend, they they weren't like being, they weren't defending Nazis. So it was, you know, sometimes. No, but that's always my thing too. It's like I'm always like, oh, you know, you know, everybody love each other except those, you know, yeah. except that. And like they, that, I, I, you know, there's no tolerance for that at all. I, I saw the look in their eyes of like me at work, and like I just had, I was like, we were like kind of going back and forth. I'm like, Nazi punks, fuck off. Like just like that, they got real. Like I'm like. Okay, I gotta calm down because I I was remembering like that was the downside of the punk scene is every so often a Nazi would show up and then someone would have to show them not to be there and we would, yeah and, exactly and they deserve to get their shit kicked or I, I, any of my friends who worked at a record store every so often you'd get the 
like they'd walk up to the counter like you have screwdriver and that was like the hint of like get out or if it's the wrong record store then yeah uh, uh, but you know what at least in Connecticut where I grew up we were pretty good at keeping the Nazi punk fucks out of there so I think that's how we should all do that here in Rhode Island Nazi punk Nazis fuck off fuck off that should be um, the next monthly cover just be Nazi punks fuck off followed by like uh, your resume but like who can hire me now <laughs> Exactly. Open the flap flap for my resume. Right. That'd be so funny. Oh my god. Oh, this is so much fun. I I have to like do dishes and stuff like an adult. I know. That's not that's not fun. I know. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, where can people find you online? Me personally? You or whatever you want to plug. Yeah. Um well I would just say I hmm. If it's the magazines, it would be providenceonline.com. And I guess for me personally, you know, I've got my Instagram page, which is Elise.press.major. Um, of course, I have my blog, which is tinkertreasures.blogspot. But like somebody listening, they might not find anything for them there, you know, because. I think um, so. And you're, well, great, you're, very, you're very great on Twitter as well. Oh, thanks. You're I have follow. fun there. I mean, when I'm not freaking out about the news there, but. Um, it's funny because I think I mentioned earlier, like, so I've had this blog for a long time, but it had been dormant. Like I did nothing with it for like, once I sort of got on Facebook and Twitter and I just really wasn't doing much on the blog anymore. And then when the pandemic hit, I started to notice all of a sudden like this increase in like new followers to my blog. And I thought maybe I should do something. So I think it was 12 Sundays ago I started Hosting a new simple craft project every Sunday. So um, funny. Some of them are reruns from like my books and stuff, but um, it's like now my new my little like uh, you know quarantine mission is Punk to like post, post a little craft. But you know actually this is fun. Um, all of the crafts I do are with paper, most of them. And I've told people I've done these too. Like you could photo you could take a um, make a photocopy of even like your favorite album cover. And you could, or comic books or whatever you like, and you could still do all these crafts, but with that paper and not the pretty paper that I use. And it would still work out just as cool. Like you could make buntings, you could cover cans, you could make book covers only with like, you know, you can photocopy your favorite album cover and and do all the same stuff, you know? I have definitely spent a lot of money. There's people like, I think it's Tarmar. There's people at some, I go to a lot of craft fairs. And I'll, I've seen that too. Like Comic Con too is big. I'm my whole house is just uh, fan art and crafts. But I'm such a sucker for like pop culture crafts. I can't. Remember, I think there is one artist who did, would do that. But they would make wallets and different things. They would use like uh, comic books, or they would have one of the times. I think that PVD Fest, they had a table with just stacks of comic books and like Calvin Hobbes books and just all every type of like magazines. And then they would let you cut it out and you can make your own pins and whatever within oh, it. Oh, that's fun. Like even saying. for your daughter, you could like photocopy yeah. a page from like her favorite storybook, and you I could think like I'm use that. Do this because you have to make a craft. Yeah, I should do like what's that movie, uh, Julia and Julia? Except I, I I poorly craft my way through your your blog, and we can make a and we could uh, have someone write it and make us a lot of money. Hey, it works for and me. And we won't do good with our time because we're like, oh, we can finally rest. We're like, mm, let's start a project. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god, this is so much fun! Uh, have a good uh, good rest of your night. Make sure, yeah, um, thank you. You too. This was really fun.